Welcome, yogis, to the Follow the Yogi podcast. My name is Vicki Santana, a recovering people-pleasing, type A personality-turned-yogi. Each week, you'll hear mind-blowing yoga concepts made easy to understand. You'll receive simple, actionable tips and, at times, exercises to implement into your life. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of Follow the Yogi. The tears we shed today are not about the objects, circumstances, people, or the situations that we blame. In this week's podcast, we're covering how staying stuck in the story is preventing us from reconciling wounds of long ago. The story is really the ego, but I prefer to say story because it's easier to pinpoint the story than to try to conceptualize a general term that is so abstract like the ego. You see, the more we focus on the story, she broke my heart, the further away we find ourselves from actual healing. The longer we play victim or misidentify with the story, I was abused, the further away we get from actually reconciling the root wound. Other people, jobs, drugs, adrenaline will never heal us. These are band-aids, ways of self-medicating that we place over the wounds or to not feel it at all. And if we are using others to heal because we feel broken, what makes us think that the other person is not as or more in need of healing than we? As we go through this process together, I want us to start getting away from judging, criticizing, analyzing, feeling remorseful, embarrassed, guilty towards ourselves, what we're thinking, and more importantly, towards what we're feeling. These are literally an indulgence and favorite tools of the ego that keep us trapped in the story and away from healing. It'll just keep us stuck in the emotional roller coaster of life. Patanjali tells us in Yoga Sutra 1.5, things are either klishta or aklishta, painful or painless, and that the only person responsible for our bondage and liberation is ourselves. Every choice, attachment, indulgence, etc. is guiding us down the path of either peace or pain. That's not to say that the things that happen to us are things that we wish upon us. That's not to say that every single circumstance or maybe even tragedy that crosses our path in our life is something that we seeked out. Things will happen as they need to happen for our evolution and our involution. The liberation and bondage that Patanjali speaks of is how we react to these situations, circumstances, life lessons. The patient says, Doctor, it hurts when I do that. The doctor says, Then don't do that. Henny Youngman. We're going to speak about many yoga concepts, and this is one of them. That we are responsible for our own suffering is a pivotal one until we can accept and see that it is within us, that our choices drive us down a path. 
we will forever be under the illusion that the answer, the peace, is outside of ourselves. The outside world is part of the suffering. It is in constant flux, and when we see it through the mind of the ego and a chaotic mind, which is very self-serving, we have the perfect storm for struggle, for strife. All right, let's start getting into the meat of it. Let's go way back to when we were younger at the very beginning of our domestication. What? Oh, she did not just say domestication. Yeah, actually, I did. We were given tools, advice, loving suggestions, and how to behave or who to be, how to feel, and how to deal with pesky little things called emotions. The domestication was so strong and so well done that by the age of seven, no one really had to domesticate us. We were conditioned now to domesticate ourselves. Here's an example. I experienced this with my daughter. Let's say you are relatively young and still in that clingy stage with mom and you end up at a social gathering with people that your parents know, but you do not. I see this time and time again. We're conditioned to automatically override our intuition and our self-protective body and associate, kiss, hug, have conversation with, sometimes even perform for people that we don't really know and we feel vulnerable to open up to. If we are asked, expected, taught to go against this physical reaction of staying back until we feel safer, we're being taught to override our intuition. But what is not seen is that the voice that we have inside of ourselves is being squelched very early on in life. It seems benign, but it starts the development or the skill of detaching what we feel with what we do. Even if we fight and dig our heels into it and say, no, I'm not going to do X. Let's say you don't feel comfortable hugging a total stranger. We might find our parents explaining our behavior and apologizing on our behalf. So now we have someone apologizing for us for how we felt. The message, how we felt was wrong. So sorry. What I just painted was the story the ego's way of storytelling events so that we can make sense of what happened. I selected this one because it has all of the ingredients of a perfect storm, or at least a lot of them. Our childhood, our parents, socializing, even calling our developmental years domestication. Now, while listening to that example, did you notice any emotions that bubbled up? Did you acknowledge them or set them aside and continue to listen to the story. Our intuition is here to help us navigate life and take us in the direction that works best for us based on our dharma and karma. It's at times a silent guide on which direction to go based on how we feel. You see, our bodies in particular, our belly brain, can sense signals to us when we are vulnerable long before the brain registers it. We literally can have a visceral reaction that helps guide us in the direction that works best for us, but we're taught to override it, ignore it, 
or maybe we just don't want to feel it. So we've lost touch with that keeping us in the story. The point of the story is not to blame our parents for what happened. They raised us as best they could with what they knew. The point is to highlight when we get pulled into the story and away from our intuition or our internal guidance. How it happened, when it happened, who did or did not do this or that is not the point. The point is to pay attention to how the story is making us feel. Let's dig into it just a little bit deeper. If you're needing to take a big sigh, take one right now. Because these things actually get kind of heavy. And you feel it in your body. So if you feel like you can't catch your breath, take a nice deep inhale. And just release it out of your mouth. And you may need to do that a few more times. And that is okay because now we're paying attention to how we're feeling based on what we're either witnessing or experiencing in the outside world. The way we look at this world, those things that we see and interpret, isn't based on what's actually in front of us. More often than not, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we have been. This is such an important concept that I'm compelled to repeat again. We do not see people, circumstances, events, goals, all of the things that we're processing at this level of consciousness. We are not seeing it as it is. We're seeing it through the experiences of our lifetime. In fact, the ocular eyes tend to deceive quite a bit. It's ironic because we really do depend on them. But if we start to notice, if we allow it to register that what we are looking at is literally echoes of our past, and that's the filter that we're looking through at life, perhaps we might be a little bit more comfortable with the first obstacle to our inner peace. That first obstacle is lack of awareness not knowing what we actually don't know. It lays the foundation for all of these storms. The brain is an amazing computer. It's constantly recording everything that we're experiencing, every solution that we create, every emotion that we feel, the list is endless. These actions or solutions They're being stored deep down in our subconscious. In some cases, that's absolutely fantastic. I'm telling you, I can't imagine what it would be like if I had to think of every step that I have to take in order to just swipe my ATM card or to feed myself or to drive my car. We teach ourselves these things over time. At first, it doesn't feel natural, but do something often enough And we rewired our brain to be able to do that task unconsciously. Now we think that it's natural when all it is, is familiar. 
So over a lifetime, we have a collection of these things that we've taught ourselves. As an example, mom says, don't touch the stove. It's hot. You're going to get burned. Maybe we listen to her, but maybe one day we have it in our head that we want to know what hot really means. So we place our hand on the burner. We smell the flesh burning. We feel the pain coming and we pull the hand away hopefully in enough time that there isn't any serious injury. The deeper the injury, the deeper that settles into our subconscious. They're called samskaras. Now, the next time you touch something hot, you won't have to think about pulling your hand away. It's almost automatic. It's the most natural thing in the world to pull your hand away so you don't get burned. It makes sense. It's now automatic. And we forget that a very long time ago, we were hurt and created a response to help protect ourselves. Now apply this ability and apply it to everything we do in our life. Apply it to our relationships. Apply it to our goals and dreams. Apply it to the way we love others and ourselves. You'll have an idea of how expansive this concept of seeing and living in this world based on what we've done is. We think we're in control. We think we're making decisions based on the present moment. But in actuality, if we took time to sit down and discern, we would realize that the way we respond, react to the outside world is actually quite unconscious have you ever had a situation where you were driving and maybe you just kind of droned out for half a mile, a quarter of a mile, and when you came back and were aware that you were driving, can ask the question, what just happened? How far away have I driven? That's the subconscious taking over, allowing you to drive something without even being conscious of it. If you've ever had a situation where you've said something that you didn't want to say, but it just literally came out of your mouth, and you thought, now where did that come from? That's also your subconscious. It noticed a situation in the outside world, went back into the archives, found the appropriate response based on a similar situation that we had, and then just automatically let us spew that out. So I use the example of burning our hand to prevent ourselves from burning ourselves or hurting ourselves in the future. Let's take something a little bit less obvious and then play it out on how it actually unfolds in our lives. A long time ago, you felt madly in love with someone. It was that totally fall in love, can't live without this person, I'm completely vulnerable, 100% trusting, absolutely emotionally, spiritual, and physically naked in the presence of this person. Now, that's a beautiful picture. I'm hoping that you did experience that in your life many times, actually. But then one day, that unconditional love that we were giving to someone is no longer reciprocated. Let's say we're devastated to the point that it actually physically hurts to be without this person. We're heartbroken. 
to be without this relationship, everything that we knew to be at that moment was taken away. How we respond to that moment will dictate how we respond and how we survive in other relationships. Here's a possible way of processing the hurt from heartbreak. We're hurt and want to protect ourselves so that we don't get hurt again. If we don't pay attention to what we're telling ourselves, we might be sabotaging our future joys. We might find ourselves saying and believing, I'm never going to love this way again. I am never trusting anyone like this again. I will never be this vulnerable, this controlled, this blind. If we say that with enough emotion, and we say it oftentimes enough, we've just created a new reaction. For yogis, we call these samskaras, and how we're going to show up in our relationships. Here's the rub. It's not isolated to just our romantic relationships. The way we do anything is the way we do everything. We apply similar concepts to different facets of our life. So when we find ourselves deeply wounded, blaming the outside world, it makes absolute sense to create the protective body. But if we're not careful, or should I say mindful, we may not be aware that we're creating such broad strokes that we're actually not protecting ourselves from harm, but robbing ourselves of potential joy. Let's take this a different way. The same thing happens. We encounter the same feelings, the same pain, the same devastation, but we look at it differently. Instead of seeing it as something that has harmed us, something that has left us us less than we are, we don't push away the emotions that come with it. We don't blame the other person, the situation. We don't see ourselves as a victim with zero control. Instead, we don't write a story at all about this, and we allow ourselves to learn from the experience through the emotions and pain. In other words, we don't say this person hurt me, therefore I'm hurting, it's their fault, and then we go around and list all the things that are wrong with that person and all the things they did that were wrong. Oh, and by the way, friends, please support me in this validation of pain. Please validate my pain, my labels, my story, my victimhood. Validate how awful the other person is. Validate my story and that how I feel is not my fault. One of those stories leaves us as a victim of the situation of another person, not just once, but for the rest of our lives. The second example challenges us to see the situation through our wounds and leads us to insight on how we can reconcile these wounds of the past that we've bandaged long ago. Make no mistake, we're tied to that story that we use to misidentify ourselves and explain the outside world with. Here's the rub. The longer we stay attached and misidentified with the external story, the further away we are from reconciling the wound that was created so long ago. The ironic part is that the longer we entertain the story, the more fuel we give this story, the less likely we are to see and feel the emotions behind the story. It keeps us completely distracted. 
and away from reconciling and healing. The Latin derivative for the word emotion is emotere, literally means energy in motion. It is the sensation and physiological reaction to what we experience. We label emotions as negative or positive based on our life experience, based on what we've been taught, based on how culture sees emotions. Now, another thing about emotions is that they scream to be felt. The challenging thing about these emotions, which are actually one of our portals to reconciliation, is that they also tend to be inconvenient. But if they're not expressed, eventually, this tend to pile up. Remember, energy is not destroyed. It's simply transferred from one form to another. And these emotions that haven't been expressed are actually just lying in wait for the perfect trigger from the outside world so they can bubble up. And usually that's what makes it kind of inconvenient because they catch us off guard when they've been there all along, but we just kind of put a pin in it. So think of it this way. Maybe you've seen the meme that says, was it actually a bad day or was it just a bad five minutes that you've milked all day? We can apply that to our entire life. Is it really a bad life or are you applying small dosages of trauma, sadness, fill in the blank, that are unreconciled and laying it over what could possibly be a very good life? So are you? Are you laying unresolved and unreconciled events from the past into the present moment? It's okay if the answer is, Vicki, I don't really know. It's very possible that we're so removed from our emotions that we have become so adept at identifying to the story that we really don't know what's behind it. And that's okay too. Here's a very simple exercise. The next time you find yourself with a story in your head or sharing a story with others, stop. Just stop pointing to that story. Stop expressing the story or thinking about it. Stop identifying with the story and pay attention to the emotion behind the story. This is key. If you find yourself going back to the story, catch yourself and stop. Go back to the feeling. You'll probably need to do this many times. There may be instances you don't feel anything. Take note without judgment and pay attention to how often you return to the story either because you cannot identify what you're feeling or because you're feeling something that you prefer not to feel. We tend to push away from emotions that are culturally not chic. Anger, sadness, shame, guilt, rage. These are just some of those emotions. And it's very possible that we've become adept at not feeling our emotions because they're just not great feeling emotions. So we find something else, a band-aid, so we either don't have to feel it or can feel something else. Start bringing this task, this skill, into your yogic practice, into your life. Remember, remember, 
the story, best case scenario, isn't even real. It's created by the ego, seeing things as they have been, bringing up solutions of the past. Staying stuck in the story is actually staying stuck back in the past. And we really don't want to do that because we don't live there anymore. All right, yogis, give me some feedback of what you think. Give me some feedback about what you want to hear. We have so many other things to talk about. But for now, with all my love, namaste.